Hey friend, this is Sing Chia. Have you wondered what it takes to run a marathon? A marathon is 26.2 miles. Yep, I ran the whole thing and I'm here to tell you about it. This is my marathon recap. Let's go. Welcome to the Simple Singcha podcast. I am your host, Singcha Lissindi. I'm the writer at simplesingcha.com. I've been there since 2003, spreading hope online one word at a time. Today, I want to tell you about my marathon because it's been almost a month since I ran it. There is a post about it at simplesingcha.com, and I will link that post to our show notes. So, I ran the Chevron Houston Marathon January 19th, 2020. And this was marathon number six for me. Um, at the beginning of the training season, I did not know that I would move. I did not know how the season would go. I just had faith that it would be good, that I would get my training in. So you basically, you know, take one day at a time. So let me tell you about the weekend before I actually went to Houston. I had a pressing deadline at work to meet before I got on the road. That was stressful. It was actually really, really stressful. Running a marathon is stressful. Uh, is a stressful situation because, I mean, you put so much work into that one day and there's a lot of variables that you cannot control. So I feel a lot of pressure in that way. It is also joyful because, you know, you signed up to do it. Like it was your idea. But once I met that deadline and I was able to get on the road and go to Houston, it was easier to kind of get relaxed and ready to go. I want to say I started packing the day before I left, like I left on a Saturday and, you know, finished packing before I left, got in the car and then I made the drive. So I drove straight to the George R. Brown Convention Center where the Marathon Expo is. It's like Marathon Central. You get your bib there and you kind of enjoy seeing all the vendors and all the people at the expo. So I was a little nervous too because Zeke wasn't with me. I've ran Houston five times and the previous four times he was with me. And then the other marathon I've ran was the Chicago Marathon. And that one I went to by myself. And I'll also link uh, the recap about that one in the show notes if you want to read about my experience, which was good up there as well. So um, Zeke and I have like our <laughs> marathon tradition down we know where we park we know when we're going to the expo so being by myself was a little different but it was okay because Houston I still feel like it's home I found a lot of friends at the expo and it was fun just to be there to see the city again which I love and miss so much so it was a very good experience so I got to the expo and I got my bib it took them a little while to find it for some reason but they found it and then I took my traditional picture in front of the marathon and the half marathon course. Um, I quickly found my friends, like I said, and on the drive down, I realized I had forgotten some things. I forgotten gloves. It was going to be cold on marathon day, so I cannot stand um, being cold, like in my hands and my ears. So I needed gloves and I forgot body glide, which is something that like you don't forget, you know, but I did. So after I saw my friends, I said, let me go to my favorite running store, Finish Line Sports in Sugar Land, and they'll hook me up. And true enough, I got some body glide from them and some, oh, I forgot my compression socks. Actually, I lost them. I did laundry and I found one and I love this compression socks. And I, 
I want to say I bought it from, from them like years ago, but I could not find the other one. And it's still lost. Like it's somewhere here in this house, which I cannot figure out where it is. I bet you like all my kids have it, but I couldn't find it. And then like I was nervous as it was, so I didn't want to make a big deal. So I was just like, you know what? I'll just, Andy will help me. You know, Carlos will help me. So true enough, they did. Got some new compression socks and um, I was good to go. After that, I went to my hotel. Oh, another fun thing that I did at the expo. I went, I want to say I went around there like two or three times. And I took all the fun pictures. Like they have a lot of uh, selfie spots and they've always done that. So it was fun to do that. And it was actually fun to observe what my friends were posting because some of us go like on Friday, which I couldn't go because I was working. And then I was just like, oh, that's a pretty cool spot. So let me go over there and take my picture as well. So it was one of those. It was just like, okay, I must take this picture and that picture and kind of see, you know, what they had. So I walked around the expo for a little while and then I headed to my hotel room. I... um actually did not buy any gloves. I, one of my friends, well, several of my friends and I were like in a texting thread. So they were like, oh, I'll take you some throwaway gloves, no big deal, which they did. And I appreciate it. So, um, I ordered pasta for dinner from Margiano's and it was yummy. And I knew I needed, you know, the carbs for the day after. And I went to bed early. So, um, I have the habit of doing what I call a flat signature picture. And what it is, is a picture of my race day outfit. And the purpose, is, there's a dual purpose. One is to take a cool selfie before the race day and post on social media. The number two is to figure out what I'm missing. And number two, obviously, is more important than number one. Because every time I take a flat signature picture, I'm like, oh, my running watch is not here. Oh, this is not here. And that's not here. And this year, I think I was missing like something major. And then I went back and got it, you know. And when I look at my friend's picture, it kind of jogs my memory as well. Like I looked at my friend Dustin's picture and I was just like, oh, I forgot, blah. So I put it on mine, you know, so I was ready to go for the next day. I got plenty rest the night before the marathon, which is a huge gift. A lot of people do not sleep well. I must have been like so tired that I did and I'm thankful that I did the only issue was I was not in my own bed so my I slept a little crooked so when I got up like my back was hurting like my upper back was hurting a little bit but you know adrenaline quickly kicked in and I was just like it's goal time like put on your outfit drive to the GRB it's time to go so that's what happened like I drove to the GRB and met up with my friends and again being at Houston for all those years helped me because we have our routine down we know where we park and we know like exactly what to do so that was very very helpful so I met up with my Fort Benefit friends got my hugs which meant a lot like to have somebody there to wish you well and as you know I've ran Chicago which was a good experience, but I was by myself the whole time. And to be around friends, it just means a lot. So I got my hugs, we all got pictures, got selfie, we kind of prayed together, and then it was time to go get to the corral. There were several friends from Longview who were there. I only saw one of my friends, and I'm glad that we kind of got to hang out a little bit before. So she went to her corral, I went to mine. 
And when I was in the corral, it was it was cold. And, you know, downtown Houston, it is windy. So I grabbed somebody's um, blanket that they had kind of thrown on the side before they started running. And I wrapped around myself because I was just like, I'm not going to be cold here. Right. Um, so I want to say I had that blanket around me like a superhero cape for close to a mile. And then I kind of threw it on the side of the road where volunteers were collecting you know, the throwaway clothes for a donation. So off we went. Um, so miles one through seven went pretty well. So I, my focus was run two miles at a time and then take a break. I had my least favorite w- bottle of water, which is uh, this season I trained with a, with a backpack, which I did not want to take on marathon day because I just thought I'd get water from the stations and then I'll just take a bottle and that should do it for me. So this bottle is my least favorite because it's one of those that is kind of flexible. So it expands. I did not like that thing at at all. And you're probably asking, why didn't you buy another one? Because I'm an (laughs) underbuyer. Like I, I just don't like to buy things like even when I need them. But anyway, so I ended up just taking that bottle, which worked for Marathon Day And, um, I also, from miles one to seven, I focused on making sure that my nutrition was on point. So the goal was to eat, uh, a cliff block every four miles. So I was doing that around mile eight. And mind you, I know the scores like the back of my hand because I ran it five times and I lived in Houston, but around mile eight, I saw a very familiar surrounding, which was Rice University. And if you guys know me, you know that I used to work for rice and I love rice. It was like that I had a time in my life at rice. So it was so sweet because I was like, oh, rice. And for some reason, I don't know if they changed the course or if I couldn't remember this part of the course, but we basically ran around it, you know, so I saw the place where I used to park. I saw the main entrance, which is kind of close to where I used to work. And then, um, as I was passing in front of entrance two, I saw that there was a church that was outside. I think it's a, some kind of Episcopal church. So the priest had holy water and he was like throwing holy water on the runners. So I made myself to that side of the road, raised my hands, and I was just like, thank you. Like any godly help that you can throw my way, I'm going to take it. Okay. So that was pretty cool. And I told him, thank you. And I just kind of kept going. I never stopped. Like it was one of those, like, get this holy water on the go, you know? So it was pretty good. The runners next to me, they were like, uh, come on, dude, we need that. We need that. We need that power. And I was just like, I'm telling you, because this is just mile eight and we still have a while to go. So, um, I kept going obviously from eight to 13. Um, and again, stopping every two miles, making sure that my nutrition was on point. And when I got to the, to mile 13, I decided to change my intervals. I was getting tired. Okay. And I know if you're not a runner, you're like, what? Of course you're running. You're getting tired. It's 13 miles. Well, if you're running 26, that's not really a good sign. Cause like you still need energy to finish the last half. So I just, I had been running two miles and then stopping for like a minute. So I decided to switch to running four minutes and walking for one minute. 
or four ones, as a lot of people call it. So I see somebody familiar on the course, which I saw a lot of people I knew, and I was thankful for that. So I saw Jean, and she had been in my running group for many years before I even showed up in town. So we talked and, you know, we chatted a bit. We kind of encouraged one another. And this is when I like knew that God always sends you somebody when you need the most. I obviously needed her for the encouragement. And she is like, Jean is amazing. She's a wife. She's a mother. She's a nurse. She's an Iron Man. Like she does everything well, in my opinion, you know. So we're talking and then she's like, are you okay? Like a mile or two go by. She's like, are you okay? Do you need anything? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. So she's like, I think like, do you need some base salt? Do you have any base salt? And I'm like, no. Um, so my electrolyte plan was just to drink Gatorade at the stations, which I was drinking, but it was not kicking in as much as it should. And mind you, I did not train with base salt, but I believe in it. Okay. So she gave me, she had like some extra, so she gave me some. And that stuff just perked me up like nothing else, right? So we stayed together for a little bit. And then she kept going because she's like, you know, I don't want to take any more walking breaks because it's hurting. So I'm just going to press on and then I'll see you at the finish. And I was just like, okay. So she kept going. So I'm about to turn a corner somewhere. I can't remember exactly where. And then I see somebody saying, hey, Fort Benfit. Because here's the magic of being part of Fort Benfit at the Chevron Houston Marathon or anywhere else. Um, people are there for you. Like on the course, we have like family members and people who support like people that run with Fort Ben Fit. So if you pass them and you need anything, they'll help you. Like if you want them to carry like your, your jacket home, they'll do that for you. So there was a guy holding a sign and he's like, hey, Fort Ben Fit. And I was like, oh, who's your person? He's like, well, Keith's my dad. And then he told me what his mom was. And he's like, do you need anything? And I say, what do you have? <laughs> so he says, well, I have chips, I have Coke, and I have pickle juice. So it's just like, oh, I take pickle juice. So he gave me a small bottle of cold pickle juice. I took some of it. And again, it perked me up. Like it really helped me. Um, so the lesson here is, is a dual lesson. <laughs> Number one, Usually it's not smart to accept something that you haven't really trained with. In my case, I was fading. I needed the extra, um, the extra salt, you know, because I had been sweating so much. Um, it was cold when we started, but it was getting a little warmer. Um, so I needed the help. So anyway, that was a blessing. So I was now running with my water bottle and the pickle juice and everything else that I had. So I kept going. So this was when the race really gets interesting. So I'm running through miles 17 and 18. And I've been there four times before. And this is what people call the wall. This is the difficult part of the race when you just don't have a lot of energy. Mentally, it is really difficult. But this time, I was able to run through it. And I was just like, Oh, I remember in years past when I was here and I had to stop and I was cramping and I was crying and I was wondering what in the world am I doing? Why did I sign up for this? But this time I had energy. I was able to keep going with my four ones and thank the Lord. I just kept going. So it was a blessing to have the energy to go through the wall and not really feel its, its effects, you know? 
I obviously saw a lot of people pressing through it, kind of pushing through it. So I think we train for the wall in a way. Because running for me is fun, is a pleasure, but there's also a mental aspect that you cannot uh, deny or ignore. You have to train mentally because the going always gets tough. And then you have to know what to tell yourself. And the trick is you just don't know when all of that stuff is going to happen. I've had marathons where I had to convince myself I'm out 13, girlfriend, you're going to finish this. And in Houston, like it was usually between 18 and 22, but this time I was actually fine. So I just kept going. It was also fun to pass uh, family members of friends who were in the marathon course, like they're waiting for them. So it was nice to get their hugs and their support. It was pretty lovely. As I was approaching mile 22, there was a little bit of a climb. Houston is known for being a flat course, and it is mostly flat compared to Longview, Texas, or Austin, Texas, or anywhere that has like <laughs> a little elevation. But there was a little incline and close to mile 22, and I noticed there's a fellow runner next to me, an older lady, older than I am, um, and she was crying. And I have a lot of compassion for anybody that's crying, anybody that's out there running and then they're having a hard time because I know those feelings so well. I'm familiar with them. I know what it feels like. So I gently tapped her on her shoulder and I said, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. So before she noticed that I was even paying attention, she mumbled something under her breath, something like my PR and my heart nearly broke because I know what it feels like. You train so hard and you want to reach that goal and you can't, like, it's just not going to happen. So I told her, we're going to finish. You're going to be okay. So she finally realizes, you know, I'm next to her, I'm speaking to her. And then she told me, thank you for this. And I went on because, um, a good friend of mine, forever friend and my first coach, uh, Brian, ran next to me so it was a party like it was nice to see somebody I knew somebody that is really responsible for training me to finish six marathons really well I learned a lot from him we trained we have a lot of miles together so it was just such a god thing to send him a mile 22 because I needed the help like when you're at 22 you are focused on finishing but in my case if you have a friend if you have that encouragement is is just so delightful so we kept going and then I noticed somebody else next to me and um, Brian and I are just making conversations with whoever is around us and we're cracking jokes and we're you know telling each other come on let's keep going let's finish this you know so we noticed that the guy was like it was his first marathon he told us that so we're like all right you're going to do this. This is going to be amazing. Remember, this is your personal best because you've never done this before. And then because he was a first timer, I told him, I was just like, you know, whatever happens, do not look at your watch at the finish. Cause I noticed he had like some kind of watch. I was just like, just make sure that you have your power poles ready, both arms up, you know, and you can look at your time, like other time. Cause I was just like, there's a million cameras. They're going to be you know, getting pictures of you. So you want to look good. So he's like, all right, thank you. So anyway, we crossed the finish line, which was a blessing. And I grabbed Brian's hands. I was just like, let's cross this together. We did it. And it was pretty awesome. Um, and a blessing to finish with a friend. And then our friend Todd quickly came after us and we all 
hugged and we, you know, took pictures and we were incredibly blessed to finish another marathon. Um, I don't take any of them for granted. Like they are amazing. They are hard. Training is a lot of work, but I'm just thankful to God for the health to do it for my husband and my family support while I uh, train for the marathon and just for friends, like um, all my friends at Fort Benfit who were out there with me and who trained me to successfully finish all of these races. So what happens after the marathon? Recovery starts at the finish line. So you start recovering. So, oh, before we get to, to recovery. So when you finish at Houston, they give you water and maybe something else. And then you kind of keep going in this little quote unquote tunnel. And then you get your medal and you're back inside of the GRB. Guys, when I got my medal, I lost it. And at this time, uh, Brian and Todd were not with me. They were kind of like behind. I lost it. I was crying, crying, crying. I was sobbing because I visualized grabbing my medal and walking around with my medal. And it happened. Like, I think it hit me, like all the emotions of the weekend of the six months of training before of moving to a new hometown in the middle of training and being blessed with friends who trained with me. Like everything hit me like in thankfulness was the number one emotion. And I just lost it. I usually cry on mile 23 cause it's so hard, but it didn't happen this time. So I, that was my cry. So two Spanish-speaking runners were next to me. One of them notices that I'm crying. And the other one is like, do you even know this person? So this girl, without saying anything, she came and she hugged me while I was crying, crying, crying. So she hugged me and hugged me like she was comforting me. And I was just like, man, my Latina sisters will always have my back. Any runner probably would have. But I was just like so thankful also for that, you know, runner who I don't know her name that just show me like her compassion, you know, and support just in the form of a hug. That was a blessing. So I was out in the GRB at this point, And then I was trained really well by our head coach, uh, Terry Gorney. And she's just like, I don't care if you have to go to a medical tent, go get your, go get your mug and your finisher shirt. So that's what I did. I got both of them. I had checked in my bag, like with my stuff, like my car keys. So I got that. And then um, Houston has an amazing food court for the runners. So I went in and it is sponsored by AGB, which I miss AGB, guys. I do. I miss it. And so my neighbor and I, my neighbors from San Antonio, we're planning like a field trip to a nearby town so we can go to AGB and get our stuff. So that would be a fantastic day. So that's coming. So anyway, AGB, which I love. I also love Aldi, but they were not at the Houston Marathon. So anyway, and they are here, which is a blessing. So they have hot breakfast. And that's what I mean by recovery starts at finish line. So I learned from my friend, Jean Magna, that no matter how you feel, you need to eat. Because if you eat, you're going to feel better. So thanks, Jean, for that. So I got my uh, my. Uh, hot breakfast. I got my eggs. They had pancakes. They had biscuits. I think I wanted biscuits and sausage. The eggs I drank. Um, I had not had coffee all morning and you know, coffee is important for me. So I grab a cup of warm coffee, delicious. There was plenty of chocolate milk. I drank a little bit of that and ice cream sandwiches from AGB. My friends and I share that. So we sat together like our friends and I that had finished around the same time and we talked 
you know, about the marathon and we were already talking about future plans, you know, so we had a friend who was already training for something because he was doing like an ultra. So that was part of the plan. We had friends that are just like, oh, we're training for a fall marathon after this. And then all the friends that were just like, I'm good. I'm good with this. I think I'm going to stick with half marathons. Um, But, you know, your body is very forgiving in your mind. Sometimes after you run all of that, it's just like, I am never doing that again. They're just like, oh, what's the next race? When can I sign up? So you just never know. Um, So after that, I went back to my hotel. I rested. I ordered in again, and the next day I was driving back to uh, to Longview. I had an amazing time, and I felt really good afterwards. I had friends calling me, and of course, family checking on me, and my husband, who knows me best, said, Cynthia, this is the best you've sound after all the marathons that you had, and I said, glory be to God. Like the training worked and the mental prep worked and visualizing my run worked and learning how to recover well worked because I feel like you don't learn how to recover after you run 26.2 miles. You learn to recover along the way and you start at 13 miles, at 12, at 17, whatever you're doing. Like you kind of get your work, you know, you, you prep for all of that. My, I'm sure that you're wondering, or if you're not, I'm just going to tell you how I recover after long runs. Um, I eat, like I eat breakfast after a long run, I stretch, I put on compression socks. And here in Longview, I have access to an ice pool. So after the marathon on Tuesday, I sat there on the ice pool for 15 minutes. And I did that twice that week. It is tough but it works. It's the same thing as doing a nice bath in your bathtub in your house. It is not fun. And I tell you, I had to put on the Zig Ziglar podcast. And remember how I told you, like I slept a little crooked the night before. Well, my back was hurting. So I put on my Zig Ziglar for 15 minutes and I put on a timer and I sat there. And while Zig was like motivating me to be better, to do my goals, I just sat there for 15 minutes. When I came out, I felt like a different person. It was, it was pretty magical. Like that moment was, it wasn't fun, but it worked. So that's part of my recovery plan. Um, The recommendation as far as going back to exercise is to take one day per mile that you ran. I couldn't do that. So I took like a week. I couldn't as in like, I didn't want to because exercise is such a big part of my life. So no, I didn't go out and ran 14 miles the next day. I took it easy that week. Like I took some ice baths, like I said. I did some very leisurely walks, you know. And eventually the week after, like I went back to running um, twice a week as it is my habit. And I went back to weightlifting. Okay, so here's a note. I was never faithful to lifting weights during marathon training until now it works it gave me the lower body strength I needed to take me from zero miles to 26.2 so if you're a runner who's wondering what should I do to cross train in my like I recommend uh, weightlifting when it comes to your lower body and you're not lifting weights to become a professional model you are lifting weights in order to run 26.2 miles 
So there are easy things that you can do. I am not a trainer and I'm not a professional coach, but if you have access to some professionals, um, they can tell you what to do. And I'm here to tell you it works. And I, uh, my cross training was twice a week and it was mainly, um, strengthening my lower body. So, um, that totally worked. Um, so that's the marathon. Um, let's talk about <laughs> like other bodily things that happen. I told you that I forgot my gloves. So my friend brought me hers and I thanked the Lord, like my hands were pretty warm, but I forgot my compression socks. Well, the compression socks did that I bought kept me warm, but for some crazy reason, I got like a half of my big toenail was, was black <laughs> after the marathon. And I was like, oh, if, and I had a little rash, like I didn't get rashes, but maybe once, not rashes, but like shape chafing, uh, once during this, uh, training season. So I had a little chafing due to me not applying like my own body glide. Like I bought some new ones and I guess it wasn't enough. And then um, I survived with half of a black toenail, which I think is pretty good compared to other stuff I've experienced in the past. Right now, which is almost a month away from the marathon, I'm back to normal. I'm running again and I'm still taking it easy because I felt like it took so much emotional, mental, physical health to run the marathon that I want to ease myself into long distance. Um, I don't want to like overdo it right now and then when I get to my goal races for the year like I don't have anything left so the goal right now is just to keep my base going and the goal for the weekend is to be between 8 and 12 miles because I acquired over the years thanks to my friends uh, the habit of always being ready to run a half marathon if need be and again this is a choice so it's just like there's not going to be somebody that a race director that's going to show up at my door and say, Sancho, I need to run a half marathon today. Like it's all choices. So anyway, that's what I'm choosing. Um, so that's my, um, uh, that's my recap of the marathon. I learned this during this says this season that I can do hard things. I learned that I can overcome obstacles with a little planning I was able to find a new running community with a lot of courage. I was able to stick with being uh, the new person and making friends and encouraging them and finding the encouragement I needed to finish my runs. It is always challenging to move into a new place, but when you're training like and you don't know the routes, it can be a little overwhelming. But my running community made me feel so welcome and they helped me so much that it just... It just made it possible, you know, for me to finish that. So that's another thing that I learned. Runners are amazing. And the running community is very welcoming. And I'm very thankful for that. I've learned that it's very important to train your mind before you do a marathon or a half marathon. The going will get tough. That is no doubt about it. And the trick is you just don't know when and where. So you have to have some message in your mind that you're going to tell yourself. So I definitely practice that. As I was passing around the rice area, there was a police lady who was really encouraging us. And I remember she said, easy day, easy run in between the, you can do it. And I, I kept that in my mind for the next maybe four or five miles, maybe the rest of the, 
the race. And I was just like, that's right. Easy day, easy run. Um, I'm also thankful to God. Like I've learned that he's so faithful to send me people when I need the most. A lot of the lessons that I learned through marathon running can be applied to life. So as I'm going through tough seasons, I know that God's faithful to send me the people that I need to encourage me. And it is my goal as a human being to be an encouragement to others as well. So friends, this is my marathon recap. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions for me, let me know. Um, and I will answer. Can I be honest with you and tell you I cannot remember um, my finishing time? I will add that on the show notes or on my original post, which um, I felt so good about myself that I didn't really care about my finishing goal. My first goal was to finish on my own feet and two feet and healthy. I have been to a hospital due to dehydration. So, you know, that's always a goal. Just like, let's be hydrated be hydrated, not dehydrated. Let's eat well. So we don't have to go to the hospital because we didn't follow our plan, you know? So that's always a go. So I reached out. I thought that I could PR this time and I was on track, but then like I slowed down a little bit and I was okay with that, you know, Uh, because compared to the previous marathon I ran, this was way better. Like I think I saw at least a 15 minute improvement, which is, which is pretty normal. And pretty, I mean, normal as in like, it's good. Okay. So it wasn't a PR. I, I thought at one point she was like, I have it in me and I was on track, but then I was just like, you know, compared to all my training runs, this was good. And compared to the last marathon that I had, this was an excellent run. So I'm very happy with that. Um, so what's the the goal for the future as far as running? Just to keep running, to run smart. Um, I want to do this for, for a lifetime. So I have to be really smart about not overusing my body so that, you know, I have enough energy to run in my 70s and 80s, okay? <laughs> I don't know if I told you all this, but Zeke and I talk about running until we're 70 and 80 because that's when you rack up all the prizes because nobody else will show up in your age group so that's our goal guys as far as placing and I mean I admire people that run and exercise like in their 70s and 80s like they are really my inspiration so we're not joking about this like we're serious so I have to be smart now at 40. Um, I would love to answer any questions that you may have um, and all you have to do is just email me at simplesaintchildgmail.com. I'll leave that on the show notes, but let me know if you have any questions, comments, and I'm here to answer. I want to remind you that my friend, my friends, Jeff and Abby Land have a new book. It is called the way to the savior. Abby was here last season and we talked about Christmas and we left a lot <laughs> during that episode, which was lovely, but the Way to the Savior is perfect for Easter season and is perfect for families. Their book has 40 family devotions, prayers, discussion questions, journaling pages to fill in Easter memory, memories, as well as family activities. My children cannot wait to get started. Like um, their book, The Way to the Manger, is already a family tradition here in the Listen B household. So The Way to the Savior is soon to become an Easter tradition. I have always looked for resources for uh, Lent. And if you are not familiar with Lent, in the liturgical calendar, which is like the church calendar, okay, Lent is the 40-day season between Ash Wednesday and Easter. 
For children who are little is a long time. Actually, four minutes is a long time for kids. But um, a few years ago, I was just like, oh my God, there's like, is, is a long space. I know I'm supposed to feel it because I want the kids to know more about Easter and Christ, but I don't know what to do. And then here's another problem with me. I'm not a craft per kind of person. I will give my crafts, like when we were in Mothers of Preschoolers, my friends used to do my crafts. Or <laughs> I had a friend that actually, when I uh, started working, she actually brought me her crafts because she's just like, this poor girl, like she can totally use my help. And I did. So I'm not a crafty kind of mom. So this book and the activities are for regular people like me who are not going to make 40 crafts on, on land. Like it's just not going to happen. And again, if that's you, more power to you and please give me your crafts. Okay. So anyway, there's some fun family activities. There's space to make memories and with the other book too, like we write like some of the memories from the year. So I am really encouraged to get started. I will do a full book review at simplesinture.com. So look forward to that. And before Easter, we will have Abby Overage talk about her book and all things um, Abby. So it's going to be lovely. Now, let me tell you something. The illustrations in this book are fantastic. I am a fan of um, just books that are really well illustrated. So I know Abby and Jeff are my friends, but whoever did the illustration did an amazing job. So you're going to love it. Okay, that's it for now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I want to remind you that you have what it takes to live the life that God has given you. You have what it takes to take that obstacle and just crush it. You know, just believe in God, believe in yourself. Keep your head up. Things are going to get better if you're going through a tough spot. And if you're in a good spot, keep smiling and encourage somebody else. Take care. Bye.